Today's, <coughs> today's Bible reading comes from... <coughs> pardon me. Um, the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 16, 1 to 13. Well, the verses. 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him and they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing in health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Have you ever felt that no matter what you've been working towards, maybe a relationship or maybe at work, maybe um, with friends, that no matter how hard you try, you just feel like you've been overlooked. You've been working towards something, you've had a a goal or an ambition, but you've just, you just feel like you've just been overlooked. The expectation wasn't met, the relationship didn't, didn't make it what you thought it was going to be, somebody else was promoted ahead of you. Do you ever feel like you were just overlooked? Today's message is about when you feel like no one sees the value in you. God does. Today we start a new season, a new series called Discover Hope. And if, if you're feeling like you've been overlooked, you feel like you've been undervalued, then this message is for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we ask that you would help us, those of us that may feel like we've been overlooked, that people haven't seen the value in us. Lord, we pray that as we open up your word, you would reveal to us the way that you see us, that you value us, that you have chosen us. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Discover Hope series is is that when we feel like the world is over us, whatever that looks like, overlooked, overpowered, whatever that looks like, then we can discover hope. Discover hope in God's word, discover hope in Christ. So it's an exciting series throughout January. I encourage you to make sure you get to all of those messages if you are feeling like as the year starts, there's a burden upon you and there is hope in Christ. I remember as a teenager, we didn't do a lot of holidays. We went a long way away. My dad, even to this day, is one of the hardest working men that I know. And I don't say that lightly. I've worked with a lot of really hardworking guys, but I still have memories of dad getting up at five or six in the morning and going to bed. Well, I was asleep, but he was going to bed at 12 or 1 and doing that over and over again over harvest as a truck driver. Just incredibly, incredibly hardworking, which meant that when I was younger, he wasn't around a lot. He was a great dad. We went to church every Sunday. I've got no negative you know, thoughts towards dad, but he wasn't around because he was working so much. And so when he was around, it was a big deal. But it also meant that because my dad wasn't around, he was driving, um, running trucks to Queensland and, and all these sort of things. It meant that mum took the role of everything. She taught me how to kick a football. I'm not very good at kicking a football. I don't know if that's because of mum or not, but, but, <laughs> but, but she, she took that role and she was awesome. Loved my parents to bits. I remember as a, a teenager, we did this. It's probably my only memory of a, a trip where we actually traveled away a substantial distance and did a, a significant amount of time, like one to two weeks of a family holiday. And we went up to the, um, the theme parks up on the Gold Coast. And, I, and I've got this memory that's just etched in my mind of, of going to get an ice cream, of all the memories that I've got from the theme parks, ice cream's the, the thing that stuck. And we're, we're sitting at this, this cafe table, which had four seats around it, and, and I've got two sisters and a brother, and, you know, myself, and, and then there's, there's mum and dad. And dad got his ice cream, and he sat down, and naturally, because we didn't get to spend a lot of time with Dad because he was working so hard, we all gravitated to the table where Dad was, and now we're all sitting, you know, with Dad at the table. And I remember looking up and seeing Mum sitting at another table all by herself with her ice cream. And I remember something just welled up into me to think that I've overlooked my Mum. It wasn't all bad. She had ice cream. She was okay. <laughs> but, but, but it was that, that uh, even as a, as a family trying to do family experiences, we can naturally and accidentally overlook people. We invited mum to the table and it was, all, it was all good. But just naturally, we can overlook people. We can overlook things. We can overlook opportunities. We can overlook. And so, so when we feel like we're overlooked, what does the Bible have to say to this? Even God himself can be overlooked. 
Even God can be overlooked. We, we see in this story that, that God was, was overlooked in, in Samuel, in that God's chosen people, the people that he had delivered out of Egypt, the people that he had delivered into the promised land, all of a sudden start looking at the other nations around them and go, do you know what? They've got kings. We want a king. We want a king too. Their kings seem to do good decisions for them, and we want that for us, so we want a king. We're going to choose one. We've got this guy. He seems like a good guy. He seems to love God. Okay, we want a king. We, we choose him. And he goes, okay. God the whole time's going, hello, aren't, aren't I enough? Didn't I just lead you out? Didn't I just lead you out of Egypt and take you into the promised land? And didn't I lead you with a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night? Like, seriously? Am I not enough? And God's feeling overlooked. Yet God loves his people and he allows them to choose this king. And we see that there's, there's, the start of this story has all these traditions that start to, to layer across. One of the traditions that we see early on is that, that the firstborn son inherited the, the family name, the, the family traditions, and also some of the, the um, obligations that went across with having the, the family name. So number one, you, you'd get all of the good stuff. You get the house, you get the money, you get the servants, you get the prestige. But also, you had to carry on the family business. You had to care for your ageing parents. You, had to, you were responsible for some of, the, some of the other siblings. So there was a responsibility, an obligation. You couldn't all of a sudden go, oh, I don't want to be a farmer anymore. It's like, no, you're a farmer. You, you, you've, you've inherited that. You're obligated to carry that on. So the firstborn son in that culture was, was expected to do certain things, had obligations that were upon them. And so we enter into this story of, of being overlooked with the framework of God's so far already been overlooked. But more than that, we've got a character who's been overlooked themselves. So much so that, that David as a young boy, is caring for the sheep. He's, he hasn't been invited into the, the space with everyone else. He hasn't been even thought of to be invited with the other brothers to be, to be consecrated, to go and meet the, the equivalent of sort of like of a celebrity of the day, a prophet, someone who was in tune with God, someone who, who this was a big deal, to actually be a part of the process, to be exposed to somebody who had direct access to God. This is before Jesus came and we had direct access. This is a, a time, this was a really big deal. A prophet's come to town. We, we heard it read out that like, people are like, prophet's come to town, is it okay? Are we, are we about to get smited? Like, are we about to, you know, get the, the boot? Or is everything okay? And like, everything's okay. Like, oh. This is a celebration then. If God's not here to hurt us, God's going to give us a blessing. This is a good thing. And so the people start to, oh, this is a celebration. Where's David? Out looking after the sheep. Not even invited into the conversation. See, David was so overlooked. He was so overlooked. Can we go to the next slide, please? He, he was overlooked by the culture because he was the youngest. 
He was overlooked by his age because he was the youngest. He wasn't even thought of as being a credible candidate to be put before the prophet. He was, by the process, he was overlooked. He was overlooked by his father and he was overlooked by his brothers. If you want to talk about being overlooked, David was overlooked in almost every aspect. So much so he wasn't even brought into the to be on the peripheries, being on the sidelines for this event. While he was overlooked by family, while he was overlooked by society, like while he was overlooked by by the nation and its practices, he wasn't overlooked by God. He wasn't overlooked by God. Firstly, we see in 1 Samuel, chapter 16, and verse 1, he says, I am sending you, this is Samuel, I'm sending you, Samuel, to, to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. The, the first thing is that, that while David had been overlooked by everybody else, God goes, do you know what? I'm going to choose this time. You chose a king? Didn't go so well. This time I'm choosing. If you want a king, I'm going to choose it. And I choose this guy. The one that's been overlooked by everybody else. I'm going to choose someone that no one else values. No one else sees the potential. I choose them. God chooses even though everybody else overlooks. You see, we have expectations and God has expectations. Sometimes the expectations that we have is, is we may look at the firstborn son and, and Samuel, the prophet, does exactly that. He goes, he enters into this with a set of expectations. God, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this. If the current king finds out, I could get in trouble. You know, this, this new king has got to be pretty good. Like, I'm a bit scared about this myself. Like, I'm the prophet. I'm, I, I talk to God all the time, and God, I'm, I'm nervous about this. Can, can you help me in this? God says to go and prepare a sacrifice and gives him away. And then, then when he enters into the family, he has his own expectations. We see in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Elib and thought, Whew, good choice, God. Like, seriously. This, this is a good looking, like this guy's been, he didn't go twice on the path at Christmas time. This guy, whew, he's like been eating chai seeds and salmon or something. Like he's a good looking dude, okay? He's, he's like, he's got to be the one. And straight away, you, you can sort of see the tone in scripture. Samuel just goes, ah, cool, this isn't going to be such a long day after all. This has got to be the guy. And God goes, No. And one by one, they, they go through each of the sons to, to the son that's not even invited into the space. We see that the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider the appearance for his height. I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. God looks at the, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And those of you that have been in faith for a while and, and maybe know the story of 
David know that, that David did some great things. He did some really not great things as well. He made some pretty major mistakes in his life. But his heart, every time he realised his mistakes, his heart went to a place of surrender to God. His heart was always for God. Those moments when he, he was repenting, he would, repent means like sorry for the things that he had done. He, he put God back in that space and humbled himself time and time again. I actually have that verse sitting up on the wall in front of my desk in the office. And my wife reminds me all the time that it doesn't matter how ugly I am, that God looks at the heart. It doesn't matter if I'm good looking or not, God looks at the heart. And it's a reminder of when we've got to make decisions in life. I love the reason that I have that verse there is, is sometimes we've got to make choices in leadership and in church. And I go, and, and, and I care about what people think. And it's like, actually, no, I've got to do what God wants. I've got to make a decision for, for the church and where we're going, where God wants us to go. Not, the, not what the people want, it's where God wants. And that's really hard because I really care about what you think. I really care about people. And, and, and it's so much a part of us. It's like, do you know what? But I don't want to overlook God, so I've got to make sure my heart is in tune with his as we go forwards as a church. We see that in this space that God sees David. And, and David, they, they go and gather David and they bring him in before everyone. And as David walks in, they're, they're, they're reclining. Reclining in those days was sort of lying down. They didn't have chairs or camping chairs, they would lie down because quite often as, as a shepherd's family or those sort of homes, often, depending on what sort of setting it was, they were nomadic. So they would move around depending where the grass was. And so it was really hard to pack up camping chairs and so they'd just have rugs and pillows. It's easy to, easy to store, easy to move around. So they would recline on the ground. And at this point, Samuel's reclining. In walks David, and the Lord says, in verse 12, rise and anoint him. This is the one. The moment that David walks in, God goes, you've got to get up, and straight away, I see him. No one else saw him, but I see him. You need to leap into action, and you need to anoint him. You need, this is the one, you need to anoint him. You need to take the oil, you need to put it on his head, you need to anoint him. What is it about oil? What, what is it about this anointing that, that actually signifies? What, why did God tell Samuel to get up straight away and anoint this guy? What does what, what anointing even mean? But the tradition was, and this is a bit, little bit of a history lesson on, on where anointing comes from, is in those days, especially in, in that area of the world, there was, like, animals were precious. Animals were special, and they had a, a number of issues that would face animals. And, and one of the issues that they faced were these sort of mites or these ticks that would, would get onto the animal, and if they could get a hold well enough onto the animal and onto its skin, they would start to burrow their way in. Not a very nice thought. And, and often if it landed on the animal's head and it burrowed in, it was, it was fatal because the brain and, and they, they would 
kill the animal. And so because oil was also a precious commodity, what they would do is they would choose the animal that was the, the prize animal, like the, the stud, the, the, the main animal that they would breed from, the, 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 the special one, the, the most important one, they would take the precious oil and they would massage it into the head of this animal. And they would anoint the animal to say, this animal is set apart. This is the special one. I have chosen this one. This one is so important. I'm going to put oil on its head so that when the mite came and tried to get a hold to burrow in to the animal, it couldn't get a grip. And, and it couldn't actually make its way to, to the skin to, to, to get a hold to do what it was wanting to do. And it would save the animal. The animal would actually be saved and protected by the anointing. Now, the history of anointing meant that from there, it started to be, well, well that is a chosen animal, that's a chosen ritual. We're going to anoint people for chosen events. And it was such a widespread thing. It was like, I'm going to anoint you to build my house. You are the chosen builder. You are the chosen carpenter. So I will anoint you, put oil on the head, to build, it was part of the contract, to build my house. It, it, was, it was pretty common practice. But then it came to the point where, where it became quite a, a large practice for, for nobles, for, for the kings, and within the church. This idea of being chosen, this idea of being set apart, this idea of being seen and valued, so much so that you are now under protection. You, you have been seen, but you have been come under the protection, chosen, set apart. And we see that, that in this space, we see that King David has been seen by God, overlooked by everybody else, and gets set apart and anointed, anointed as king, anointed as God's chosen person to, to lead his people. We go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. And we see that each of us also, in verse 21, have, have been anointed ourselves. You have been chosen. God chooses you. God has anointed you. Verse 22, you have been set apart for, for a bigger purpose. Now this year, as we, as we launch into it, you may be feeling like I'm just overlooked. I feel like people don't value me. I feel like that I'm in a space where, where I, I, I don't know who I am 100% and, and I don't know where I'm going. I'm feeling a bit lost. Yet we see in Scripture that God sees you where you're at. God has chosen you, although others haven't seen it. God has set you apart and has anointed you to say, I value you, I choose you, I want to protect you, I love you, you are precious to me. This morning we're going to have an opportunity for you to be anointed with oil. Now if you're feeling like you've been overlooked, you feel like you've been undervalued, I want to encourage you to come. There's something about the physical aspect of number one, com coming forward. There's nothing special. It's the same colored carpet that's out in the foyer. There's nothing special about the front of the church, but there's something that, that's, that's powerful about moving. I want to encourage you to come forward just because this is where the people will be. And we're going to anoint you with oil. The, the oil is 
Olive oil, you can buy it at Kurong. I was going to use engine oil, <laughs> but I thought that's a bit, we won't do that. There's nothing special about the oil. I did used to have a thing of oil from the Mount of Olives, but it's just, it's a symbol. It's just a symbol. It's just oil. When we put on oil, quite often in the church we do a cross on the forehead because when we do the cross, we remember that we were chosen, but we were chosen with a price. When Jesus died on that cross, it wasn't something that was done lightly. You were chosen and you were paid for when Jesus gave his life for you. You could do a dot. It doesn't really matter. Now, I'm actually getting some of the logistics out of the way because I don't want this to, to be a, a barrier. And afterwards, you can wipe the oil off. That's okay. I wasn't sure what to do for years, and I'd walk around for a week with a greasy forehead going, um, am I wiping off the anointing? What do I do? What do I do? It's okay. It's just oil. That stuff's out of the way. You come forwards, there's nothing special about that. We put on oil, there's nothing special about that. You can wipe it off, there's nothing special about that. What is special is the symbolism of coming forwards and and feeling that presence of God saying, you are chosen. You will be anointed, you are anointed, but there's something about the physical just just to, to lock it in, lock in the deal. To say, it doesn't matter if you feel overlooked, God sees you in the crowd. God has chosen you and wants to set you apart and protect you. Now, I've got staff and elders and a couple of other helpers that are going to come to the front now. We invite those up the front. There's some little, little pots of oil. You can take the, the tube. I'll, I'll hand over this one as well. And there's some, so I can invite those staff and elders to, to come and grab some of those things of oil. In a moment, I'm going to pray. As we close our eyes to pray, I'm going to invite people who would like to come forwards. If you feel like you've been overlooked, if you feel like you just, something landed today that you go, does God really see me? Does God really accept me as I am? Does God really see me even though I feel like I'm just out with the shepherds? I feel like I'm out with the sheep. I feel like I'm out doing other stuff. You, you seriously mean God sees me where I'm at and has chosen me. If something's landed, if something's dropped in your heart and in your, in your spirit, come forwards. I said, it's, it's just some oil. I'm just going to pray a little prayer for you. I'm going to invite the band up unless you want to get oil, which is fine. It's okay to be anointed as well. And invite the band up as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you see us where we're at. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have chosen us, you have set us apart, that you have anointed us as your chosen people. Lord, we thank you that we were bought with a price when Jesus went to the cross. So, Lord, this morning as we we prepare to enter into this year, I pray that we would go into this year knowing that we are not overlooked, that we have been seen, we have been chosen, we have been selected, that you anoint us, you protect us, 
You love us. You set us apart. And Lord, I pray that as we come forwards and get oil and that we are anointed, that we would, it would help us to, to see and experience that setting apart. Lord, we ask that we would discover hope in a world that sometimes overlooks us, that we would discover hope in who you are and we would discover hope. And as we understand how you have called us into relationship and into purpose through your son. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to sing, can I invite those who'd like to be anointed forwards?